Would you pray with me? Father, we do ask that you would uh, give us your Holy Spirit this morning to open your word to us, to speak it to our minds, to plant it in our hearts, and to grow it in faith in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, please be seated. So there is a story that is not true that I'm about to tell you. Um, I tell you this because, you know, sometimes the stories that float around, people are like, well, it happened, it was in a newspaper. This was not actually in a newspaper anyway, but it's a funny story. There's a story about a Navy uh, captain in the midst of a bad storm, and there were a group of ships who were on a training mission when during their maneuvers, this horrific uh, hurricane-like storm came upon them. And as night fell, visibility was poor, it was foggy and raining, and so the captain remained on the bridge to make sure everything stayed all right. He was keeping an eye on things. Then all of a sudden, from the lookout on the bow, the lookout reported light bearing steady on the starboard bow, which means that something was headed straight for the ship. And the captain ordered the signal man to signal that ship. Tell them we are on a collision course, advise you, change course, 20 degrees. Back came the signal, advise you, change your course, 20 degrees. The captain had the the signal man send another message. I am a captain in the United States Navy. Change your course, 20 degrees. The reply came back, I am a seaman, second class. You change your course, 20 degrees. By now, the captain was furious, and he yelled to the signal man, tell them we are in a battleship. Change course, 20 degrees. Back came the, the, back came the reply, I am in a lighthouse. You change course, 20 degrees. <laughs> you know, friends, sometimes it's really necessary to change course. It really is. This morning, we see five different stories of people who are changing course to follow Jesus. Now, it gets a little confusing because in this passage, there are three different Johns. Let me try to clarify the two most important ones. Our author John, that is the disciple, the apostle who wrote the Gospel of John, we see his story of Jesus begin when he's following John the Baptist, all right? Those are the two. At the very beginning, John the Baptist and John who will be the disciple. Now, John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus, right? He's been out in the wilderness. Perhaps you remember the story. He's calling people to repent and to be baptized. And what happens is God's people and those around them beyond God's people have recognized Something is beginning to happen in John the Baptist's ministry, and they keep coming out to see him. And what John the Baptist basically said is this, look, there's this guy coming after me, and he, who will be Jesus, and he is the most important person in history, and I'm not like him. I'm baptizing with water for repentance. I'm basically doing a ceremonial washing, but he's going to come, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you God himself. That's basically John the Baptist's message right before this. You can read it at the beginning of John. So our, Baptist, or, or, sorry, our passage begins today with John the Baptist's disciples, the people who've been following him, changing course and following Jesus. So basically, the morning starts. If you look at the passage, you can see it. 
The next day, again, John the Baptist was standing with his two disciples, and he looked at Jesus as Jesus walked by, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Basically, he's saying, Look, remember that guy I told you about yesterday? That's him. And immediately, Andrew and John, the writer of the gospel, John, who will be the disciple, stop following John the Baptist and start following Jesus. You get that? That's what's happening in the first two verses. It's important for them to change course. Now, here's the thing is that you've also changed course in your own life. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, you've recognized and you received the forgiveness of sins that he offers, that God offers through his son Jesus, and you've trusted in him, and you have decided to follow him, and I know that that has come at some expense, right? It always comes at some expense, but I dare say that for most of you, because I know you, that you think that Jesus is worth following. Because there's so many other things to do with your life that if you have written off Jesus, you wouldn't be sitting here on a Sunday morning. No, you have decided that he's worth following. And you are continuing to experience what that means day in and day out, moment by moment, day by day. You are learning what the full life that Jesus offers is. You didn't know it right at the beginning. I dare say you didn't know much. You were just relieved to hear that that thing that you had done, that burden that you had carried, that loneliness that you experienced, whatever brokenness that you had, that Jesus was willing to accept you and to love you and forgive you and to give you life. That's the good news of the gospel. But day by day, moment by moment, you are learning what full life means. And what we see this morning is the biblical story. God's message for the whole wide world is that everyone needs to change course. We are either, as Paul writes in Romans 6, slaves to sin, which leads to death, or we are slaves to righteousness, which is life in Christ, Christ's perfection, covering us. Everyone needs to change course and to follow Christ. And our sermon series, Daring, is asking the question, will we as Christ followers be daring enough to share our hope that we have in Christ with the world so that they may change course, as it were, and receive hope? And I think, friends, one of the most daunting phrases and scary phrases in the whole Christian vocabulary is this one. Are you ready? Personal evangelism. It is so scary that I have committed to never using it. Just kidding. But it is a scary phrase. But to put it simply, you and I as Christians, if you're a Christ follower this morning, are meant to share the hope, the faith that we have in and from Jesus with others. God's desire is that you, having found good news, would share it with the world. And he equips you with his Holy Spirit, with his power in order for us to do it. He equips us to do it. And the series so far has given us two ways, and we're about to dive into the third. Uh, basically, it's given us three ways to do that, to share the good news with others. 
The first week was that as Christians, we are to pray and to seek the welfare of the city in which we live. We are to seek the best for the place where and the people around whom we make our home. And if you are in Christ, you know that from your own experience that our best interest, the world's best interest, is actually met in Jesus. Aligning ourselves with the creator of the world and aligning ourselves with his purposes will be our best interest. And second, because Christ drew us into relationships, he drew his disciples into relationships, he's drawn us into relationships, we too are to engage our neighbors in loving friendship. And this morning we turn to part three. Not only do we pray for their welfare, not only do we bring genuine relationship and intimacy to our neighbors, finally, we invite, this is the third word, invite them to meet Jesus. We bring them to Jesus. And we see this in our passage from the Gospel of John. So it was in thir- verse 37, right, that we see that we, as we already noticed, that John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, have turned and followed Jesus. And after they spent the afternoon with him, we read in verse 40 that one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And the first thing that Andrew does, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. And then in verse 42, he says, he brought him to Jesus. Now, when you have been given the greatest hope and the biggest blessing and the, the largest promise in life, what do you, what do, you do? When you, have, you tell somebody else about it, right? This is exactly what Andrew does. When you got that super gift that you wanted on Christmas morning, you tell everybody about it. And Andrew does this. He goes and finds his brother who obviously needed to know the Messiah had come. So his first inclination was to go and to tell others. Then in verse 42, it says, he brought him to Jesus. Andrew didn't sit down, get a flip chart out, and start telling him all the things that he experienced with Jesus the afternoon before. No, what Andrew does is he tells him we found him, and then he brings him to Jesus. Hold on to that thought for a second. It's important. The next day, Jesus calls Philip. So Jesus, not only did John point people to Jesus, not only did Andrew go find somebody, Jesus calls people to himself. So he calls Philip, and he follows him. And then in verse 45, we learn that Philip does what? He finds Nathanael. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathanael, being a bit of a skeptic, said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And instead of trying to explain it to him, what does Philip say? Come and see. All right, hold on to that. So at the very outset of the New Testament, we see a model taking shape a model that we can use today. When people come to Christ, when they came to Christ, the first disciples brought other people to Jesus and invited them to come and see him. Now we, as members of the body of Christ of Holy Cross, or if you're visiting maybe the church you came from, how do we make an invitation to others to come and see Jesus? So I have three ways I think that we see it happening in this passage. The first one is this. 
we must recognize that we all have hope. We all have hope. It's, it, it's underlying what Jesus says uh, to Andrew uh, and to John as they started following him. Remember, they left John the Baptist, started following Jesus, and Jesus turned around and goes, hey, what are you seeking? Right? Underlying our own lives, we all have things that we are hungry for. So we recognize that we have hope, but here's the thing, is that hope is met sometimes from a surprising direction. Nathanael goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And what we learn is that the Messiah comes from a direction, a town, a place that we do not expect. Jesus comes into the world in a way that they didn't expect and met every need that they had. And we, as his disciples, are simply called to direct people to Jesus so that they might find their hopes met in him. You know, in our world, we people are looking for all kinds hope in all kinds of places. We look for it in family, we might look for it in power, we might look for it in money and possessions and accomplishments. You name it, you got it. You know what you're, the place where you seek it out. That's the drumbeat of our culture, right? They, uh, it beats it into our heads that you got to have more and be more and be polished in all the right ways. That's what happens when the people that we are engaging with in relationship and in and in praying for, that's what they're coming with too. And what we're making an invitation to is for others to discover Jesus. We invite him, them to discover him from a place, the place of humility, the place of service, the place of forgiveness, the place of gentleness. Not the God, not a God who is harsh, mean, but a God who is loving. And it is always willing to be kind. We invite them to discover hope in a surprising relationship. Jesus, often through us. So that's the first thing. Hope comes from surprising directions. Second, our call to invite is to bring people to Jesus. Not to convince their brain or compel their heart to trust him, right? It is not the flip chart of life that will make people follow Jesus. People who have experienced love, love unconditional, those are the people who go, that's something I want because it's so different from the world. They want to know that they are acceptable and uh, they, they are loved even for the things, even in the things that they do that they know is wrong. They want to experience love. And the first two head off, uh, they, uh, uh, our invitation is for other people to come and see. We're to bring people, and the key to that is experience. Jesus can only be experienced. Now, we can read about him, but we really learn about him when we experience his love, as I just said. In our passage, John the Baptist says, there he goes. And those guys ran off after him to find out what he's all about. They ran off to experience him, and they bring, then bring Simon, and Jesus invites Philip, and he brings Nathaniel to come and see. So I wonder this morning, where do people experience Jesus today? Well, mostly with us, through us, with you, in your family, around your neighborhood, in your church, when you interact with them in places of business and life. 
You know, years ago, I worked at Holy Cross before I was a priest. It was 13 years ago, and I uh, was, did a year-long project of uh, working for the church. And after that year, I moved on in my consulting work and my business, and I was serving some other churches. And a few months went by, and I thought to myself, I thought, self, I really miss those people. I'm, this is a true story. I was working, uh, doing some projects for a church in Pauly's Island, and I was spending most of my time on the road between here and there and with them. And I was like, man, I really miss the people of Holy Cross. They are my people. That's what I learned. And I began to shift my work so that I could be here on Wednesday nights. For We had a worship service then, so I could be a member of this church. I had experienced Jesus here. I had experienced Jesus in some of you who were here at the time. And I experienced Jesus with you. And I wanted more. So we are called to bring people to Jesus so that they might experience him. You know what the great thing about this is? That the pressure of invitation and the pressure of that dirty little phrase I said, personal evangelism, You know who the pressure is on in that? Jesus. All we have to do is make the invitation. He does the work. You're called, you're called, you and I are called to invite other people to meet the Savior, and God does the rest. Now, we believe that we have a role in prayer, relationship, invitation, but we are firmly, we firmly believe this that it is God through his son Jesus that saves anyone right? And he does, and he will. If you will make the invitation to your neighbors, to your friends, to your co-workers, to do life together, you enter into relationships, and you pray for them, I promise you God will move, because he is in the business of saving people. You have been given the good news, friends. My question is this, will you be the lighthouse keeper who calls out and invite other people, maybe a little more subtly than he does? to change course, and to find Jesus. I hope you will. I hope you'll join me in that. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit this morning so that we might make bold invitations to others to follow you, that we might be daring enough, brave enough, and confident enough in what you will do to step out and help others to discover Jesus, to change course, and to follow him. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.